Elder Chorus Squad's Keeper Ann here. Heads up, this is a mature podcast in a mature setting. This podcast uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu rule set by Chaosium. All content including names, places, things, or any other noun resembling entities living, dead, or at the edge of your vision are purely coincidental. So, welcome to Elder Chorus Squad. Uh, I am, of course, uh, Keeper Ann. Uh, you are your... Uh, Keeper of Arcane Lore, and the one that got away. Do you remember that sweet summer? <laughs> and on my left, I like how you're like, there's another part to this. No. Nope. It was a tragic breakup. Oh. Tensions were high. Passions. Riding. I am Jacob. I'm going to be playing William. Uh, I don't know if you want me to say more. just no, you're now. Now your bit is. I don't know if you want me to say more. That's it. That's that's your bit. Talk into the mic, though. I thought I was getting good. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's really like uh, just because you turned. Uh, when you yeah. turn, it does stop. Like it doesn't take it. Yeah, you gotta okay. look with your eyes. That's hard when. It's super hard. Oh, I uh, see. What I'm doing is I'm imagining that who I'm speaking to, I'm imagining that that's their head there, and I'm just getting in their face. Just getting real Post, close uh, that's and personal. Gonna be, that's going to be good for uh, two of these players. <laughs> and to uh, his left. Hello, my name's Sarah, and I'm going to be playing Thaddeus Cooper. Just an all-around sad man, currently a professor. We'll see how long he keeps his job. I like that you've started out both episodes now with like, with just referring to him as the saddest man alive. Look, he's just a sad man who... Who's a dad at heart? <laughs> because, you know. Sure. Did you, what did you say? I, I did wink at the microphone. Because <laughs> I thought it was a funny bit. <laughs> I love like all of jokes. 11 out of 10 jokes. <laughs> uh, I'm Cynthia. Uh, I'm playing Oksana Ushikova. Um. Archivist on loan from the University of Moscow. I'm gonna start pre-writing these bits for you. Yeah, fair. And then uh, to his left. Uh, I'm playing. I'm Damien. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I'm Delilah, and I'm playing Damien. <laughs> Whoa, what a oh. twist! <laughs> the tables are turned. <laughs> you don't. Uh, I'm Damien, and I'm playing Delilah Taylor, fake psychic. So one thing I did not predict in this was the fact that the mic is currently in the way, like the pop filter is in the way of my notes. So I have to like, like I can only read the bottom. I gotta like really fold it up. Skill issues. That's how I know you're a fucking zoomer. Yeah. Do you know the first time I heard that shit was Damien's sister. I'm gonna kill myself, it's fine. You're contractually obligated to not. We have a podcast to do. <laughs> I never specified when. It's good. You're contractually obligated to make it dramatic and interesting. Fair enough. I can do that. And very audible. Very audible. <laughs> <laughs> well, immersive auditory experience as I kill myself. Yeah, we'll Coming to you. We'll uh, clip it onto your collar and you can just yell into it. So, opening up, uh, it's we're gonna it's gonna be the same day as when we left off last. Oksana, just go into the office for a job. Yeah, so 
you're probably taking, what, a bus, a cab, to Carlton Ramsey's office? Um, I think that this one should probably just uh, take a bus. She's, She's had a lot of Donnie for today. Yeah. She I, can't take it. Yeah, so, she, yeah, she probably goes a few blocks, and then, I don't know, I goes on a bus, but sees a cab on the other side of the street. But something, something in her bones rings out. Don't get in that cab. And you don't know if it's a sense of dread or a premonition of sorts. But regardless, mm-hmm. you take the bus. So when you come off uh, towards uh, Carlton uh, Ramsey's office, it's a pretty decent neighborhood. Uh, not overly, not overly nice. Like it's like everything's well built, but modest, mm-hmm. good, like decent quality. But nothing about it really shines the bells and whistles. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have like a lot, a lot of grandeur to it. Mm-hmm. So you go up. And you see that his office, there's a plaque that labels it as the third floor. You climb, and when you open through, open the door that kind of has, that has his name on the window in that kind of uh, cheap paint that did like they put on and then you scrape off because at the time you would just rotate out of those offices so much. Uh, when you enter, you see an early twenty-something African American woman sitting behind a modest but good quality desk. She's tall and athletic looking. There's like this confident air about her. She's smartly dressed in a tailored skirt and jacket. She smiles at you. Oh, I'm Willa. You must be Miss Ushikova? Uh, Yes, that is I. Oksana, could you make me a hard intro? I'm going to use one luck point for that. You're going to use one luck point? Yeah, I rolled 43 on on a 42. Sorry. Yes, I passed. Yeah, so Oksana, you recognize her as a regular that you've seen a few times at the nightclub One Last Kiss, but you've never spoken to each other. You hear this voice on the other side of the room behind a closed door, kind of loudly muttering to himself, and the woman in front of you gives a bit of a, gives a bit of a embarrassed grin back, and then back to you, uh, yeah, uh, you can just go right in. Thank you. You come in, and then you... He doesn't seem to notice you at first. Instead, he's kind of pacing back and forth, and going, Oh, was, uh, I thought I was really being proper. I thought I... Oh, God, it was that... Oh, no. Oh, no. Kind of just gives, like, a little, like, rap on the door. Oh, closer? Sorry. Like, just probably gives, like, a little, like, knock on the door, like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mr. Uh, Ramsey? Yeah, uh, uh, yes, uh, um, uh, Mr. Ushikova, right? Uh, y- yes, yes. Okay. Uh, I got your letter. Okay, great. I wasn't sure if I was uh, pronouncing that correctly. I just wanna, yes. Okay, I just want, just want to make sure. He kind of offers. You see, he offers you the seat on the other side of his desk. He goes towards a small cabinet to the right, where he opens it up and pulls out a bottle of bourbon and. He so, like asks, "Well, um, do, would you would you care for a drink?" Um, sure, yes, thank you. So he pulls out two glasses and uh, and a little bit of ice and pours a drink for you. Now, as of now, just to clarify, prohibition is now in full effect. So, so I think Oksana looks at it and is like, "Ah, okay." Mm-hmm. And he hands you the he hands you your glass of bourbon. 
Could you take this moment to describe Oksana's appearance? Uh, yeah, so um, she is uh, just generally pretty, like, um, tall and, like, very stern-looking. Very, like, kind of, like, severe angled face. Um, she's, like, 5'11 or so, so she's pretty tall. Um, kind of, like, long-ish uh, blonde hair. And then she typically just wears, like, her everyday, like, work outfit, which really just consists of, like, a kind of, like, long gray skirt and a black button-up. He sits down on the other side of the desk and rummages in a, his lower right cabinet, pulling out a few uh, documents. And he pulls out a book as well. And he's, like, setting them on the table, and he's, like, trying to, like, organize them. Mm-hmm. And he says... Uh, yes, uh, so uh, in, my, in my letter, yes, I, I explained that I work for uh, Louis Castain, um, uh, managing some of uh, his cousin Hildred's uh, items that he'd like to put up for auction, because he, he just he does not want them. And I was looking for, your, your name came across to me um, from, uh, from someone, and they said that uh, you would probably be pretty good at appraising uh, the, 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 he keeps stuttering, the, the work. Um, uh, yes, I'm uh, glad to have been recommended to you. Um, I do believe I can help you. Um, can I ask who recommended me? Oh, uh, of, of course. Um, it was this uh, this very um this very nice woman. Uh, um, uh, 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 Elizabeth. Oh no, I'm. And he looks uh, startles for a second. He's like, I, I have her name written down somewhere here. It's I know it's Elizabeth. I don't remember the last name. Um, she's very nice. And he's like. Going through a folder, like I know I wrote it down. It's I, on the back of one of these papers. It's 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 all right. I I I know. Oh oh great! So you must be very good friends. Um, I wonder why she she uh, recommended you uh, you to me. Um, me me to you. <laughs> very good. Takes a sip of the bourbon. <laughs> it's a long sip. Yep. You know what? Make me a power roll. <laughs> Seventy-five under eighty. Okay, it's a little closer than I'd like, but that's all right. It's a three-second sip, not a six-second. Fair enough. Yeah, he shows you the book in his possession, and he says, "Oh, um, so yes, uh, please take a look at a uh, closer look at, at this book. Um, I do have more um, at the residence. I just wanted to bring an example of one of the ones that I that looked valuable to me. I I I, I can't really make too much out of out of it. Yes, um, yes, Maisie." Uh, of course, and yeah, he hands you the book, and it's this older green text, uh, like a green cloth-bound text. Mm. You don't have any points in German, do you? I do. You do? How many points do you have in German? I got 30 points in German. Fantastic. So, you can read the title as Remnants of Lost Empires by Otto Dostum. And when you open up the book, you can tell you... Seeing its inner cover that it was published in 1809. At this point, like, you can go ahead and make me an appraisal check. But that was, that's 76, oh, way over. 45. Um, so, of course, mm-hmm. I'd like to offer you the choice of luck or push roll. Uh, can I push it? You can push it. I will let you know yeah. that you, it's not a bad fail. Mm-hmm. But if you'd like to push it, you absolutely can. You know, I think I won't push it. Um, but I'd probably, like, she would probably just be like, um, 
Sorry, I'm not sure I can really get too much um, from this. Oh, uh, so, so, uh, before that, just yeah. to give you an idea, mm-hmm. you think you can tell mm-hmm. like um, the proper value of the work, but it's going to take some time mm-hmm. um, to uh, to research it. And mm-hmm. more than anything, you you probably you think you should get an eye on the rest of the collection, and that'll mm-hmm. probably give you a better ballpark. Yeah. If the uh, if uh, Hildred's books were mm-hmm. uh, of a consistent type, then it might be much easier to find information uh, through them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still say yeah. that line? Yeah. Like I'm not sure. Um, there's much I can uh, tell you from uh, a first glance. I'd still love to continue to take a look and see the rest of the collection. Oh, uh, uh, of course. Um, so, and he uh, gets up. Uh, do you do you have time uh, now? Later, we can set an appointment. Um, tomorrow, today. I, I suppose what works best for you. I'm uh, not terribly busy this time of year. Oh, uh, yeah. R- right now, I'm all my attention is focused on uh, on, on 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 this project. So I, I have time right now, if if you'd like. Yes, uh, leave the look. And he goes to like walk out from behind the desk when another man comes in. The man that comes in, a white man approaching middle age, muscular. He has a dark complexion and slick black brown hair. His suit is neat and well kept. Ramsey seems to recognize him and he looks a little startled for a moment. He, and he says, oh, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry, um, Lieutenant Pole, is there something I can help you with? And the man looks at him um, with a bit of a softness in his eyes and but like you can tell he's keeping himself upright his posture really strict he says i'm sorry ramsey i just wanted to come and let you know that uh that hildred castain his uh, apartment look i guess some some guy tried to start a fire in there we're trying to find who did it but right now we're just kind of following our leads i just i felt like you needed to know as the former executive of the will but uh so is there anything you know about it i'm gonna have you make me a psychology role Remember to make notes as you pass rolls. Yes. What did you So that's a hard pass with a nine under Ooh. 30. So your eyes drift from from Ramsey to Poole back to Ramsey after he says that. Ramsey, you can tell, is a pre, has a pretty nervous energy about him. Mm-hmm. And he bites his the inside of his lip. It's almost imperceptible, though. You can tell that he is lying when he says... Oh, I, I, of, uh, of course not. I, I, if I knew anything about something like that, I, 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 I would have let you, I would have let you know. Poole looks at him, cocks his head a little, and says, well, "All right, uh, but uh, yeah, you hear anything? You make sure you come to me first. And he gives him a reassuring, you can like touch on his elbow, like a firm one. Ramsey does it in, does it back. I can see Sarah in the background, and then they kiss. Gay, gay, gay. Boys kissing in my other podcast. You know it, baby. So Ramsey then uh, makes his way out, and you can hear him now that the door's open. Um, you see him kind of tip his hat down to Willa, and he says, "Okay, you, you have, you have a good evening, man." And you hear her to mumble something to him. He makes his way out, and. Ramsey looks to you and says, oh, I, I suppose we should probably go see what we can, what, what, what we can, we can sal- salvage. Yes. Uh, this is unfortunate, though. Please lead the way. So, yeah, he leads out in front of you. And, yeah, as you follow behind, I'll let you make me a spot hidden roll. It's going to be a hard difficulty. 
is someone watching him? Is anyone paying attention to the house? Is that creature out there? So Thaddeus, I'd like to describe that today it's sunny and it's February, so there's still some snow on the ground and it's still relatively brisk. In the middle of all the sunlight, it feels like you shouldn't see anything that wrong. But the hedge over at the Petersons right across from you, it's grown already. Fresh green. That doesn't make sense. Thaddeus tried to decide whether or not he would have his gun on him, but I don't think he would. I think he would have, uh... Oh wait, I haven't stopped home yet to drop my stuff off. You're right in front of your home. You're right, so I would have my gun. And I kind of set my bags on the sidewalk right by my mailbox and slowly creep up on the hedges. I mean, it's not like he expects anything, but he wants to check them out cautiously. Thaddeus Cooper takes out the cast of Over the Hedge. That's what it makes a great sequel. <laughs> Just seeing if he could spot any more clues. You get closer. How close are you getting? If he doesn't notice anything more off than it already is, he probably gets about close enough to touch. Alright, so yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that strikes you is how surprisingly thick the leaves are here. I mean, normally when you see when you see hedges, you get those little pockets of light that kind of that goes between the leaves, right? Mm-hmm. Little pockets of empty space. You don't get that here. This hedge is entire, is thick, almost bristling over. Are you gonna touch the leaves? Maybe open it up, get get a better look, just a touch. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, you've put your fingers through into the leaves and spread it open. Yeah. You shift a little bit around in there. And that's when you see, towards the baseline of the hedge, a large hoof imprint. You can tell two things. One, whatever this is, makes a goat look like an ant. And secondly, you can now... That you're closer. Smell the sulfur coming from that imprint. Thaddeus kind of stands up from like his bent over position and just kind of mumbles, not entirely expecting to be heard, but just close to himself. You think you found me, you son of a bitch. I've been looking for you this entire time. You may have found me, so come get me. I swear, I'm not as easy as a victim of your last. That's what you're going to do with this one. Yeah. I'll also give you an inspiration die, because I loved that. That is a 12 under 50. So you hear it before you see it, and it's such a small thing. But from the spot you were looking, just a few inches to the left, you then see... A ruffle of leaves shift throughout the hedge and then back when this hedge extends towards the backyard. And it moves almost like blood through a vein. Look, I know I shouldn't follow it. However, Thaddeus is going to follow it. Luckily, there aren't a lot of people home right now at this time of day. 
I imagine it's just like maybe a little bit afternoonish. Yeah. So most people are at work or out and about, seeing as it's a Sunday. So you're gonna follow that, and we're gonna move over to Delilah. Mm, I can't believe the man's after Thaddeus. <laughs> 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 I was like, oh, I had, like the joke's there, but whatever. And they're like, it's bigger than a dollar. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> fuck this you, is goat my man. hedge, goat man. <laughs> my hedge. Are you mad that I'm stepping on your hedge, goat man? <laughs> this is going to end perfectly well. The weak, limping man after a motherfucking goat. Uh, jokes on you! I'm gonna draw. I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make you lose, sand goat man. Just the deer fight in each versus the goat. See, my favorite thing is I'm imagining Thaddeus not with a gun but with a fucking metal badge, just like <laughs> he has every, his cane. Every oh yeah, he's got his cane every now and again, just smacking the hedge like hey, you piece of shit. Keeps going. It's also like Thaddeus knows this is the smartest idea. But also, he has to follow it. Delilah, we're going to push time a little bit forward. And it's been a little bit since um, that uh, blonde woman left. What have you been doing? Oh, uh, if she's just at the shop, hasn't really gotten any that much clients. She would probably change into something a little more, like, cute, casual, uh, and... She'd probably go out for the afternoon instead of just sitting around. Okay, why don't you describe how she looks? Uh, Delilah is half Indian. I believe you said that her father was British? American, like American British. She's about 5'4", black hair, curly, wavy, going up to like about shoulder length. Dark, yeah, dark, dark eyes. Uh, 95 in appearance. That is her best stat. <laughs> the Henry Cavill effect. Uncomfortably good to look at. Uh, and yeah, she just kind of, she typically wears a lot of like dark clothes with colorful pieces and usually like trendy styles that she usually incorporates in that. I really like to imagine that part of the reason why she's so successful as a psychic is because it's like even when people come in and they're like, I don't believe you, it's like, but I want to. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Delilah, uh, where, where are you going? Honestly, it, okay, so it's February, so it's pretty chilly out. So she'd probably go to like a cafe down the road from her place, read for a bit, and then after like an hour probably go to, uh, go to see Susan. See Susan. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you go you go to the coffee shop. What kind of stuff does Delilah read? So yeah, uh, if it's yeah, the types of stories aren't popular yet. So she'd mostly be reading like gothic and weird tales. Yeah, I love that yeah. for her. I really love that for her. And after a little bit, yeah, you you decide to go visit Susan. What does her place look like? Honestly, I see Susan as like single. Why not? So it's like book to get like it's clean but cluttered uh there isn't trash but like you can tell she just like threw a blanket here okay her sweater's just here but it's not dirty it's just out she just didn't fold it a lot of knickknacks that she's just like she just likes but like she isn't like that sentimental about type of thing yeah i'm guessing she's she's in an apartment yeah so you know when, when you come up to her apartment and open it you see her on the other across the space uh, in her kitchen on the right side when you come in you see her kind of 
wobbling a little bit left and right and running a hand through her hair as she pours a small bottle like, into the contents of this, uh, what smells like a coffee mug. And she just turns around, what the fuck are you doing here? Good afternoon to you too. Are you just like here to be annoying or? Yeah, yeah. All right, well then make yourself at home. Honestly, Delilah would proudly help herself to any coffee that she has made that she hasn't put too much alcohol in. Yeah, she uh, pulls out another small bottle and waves it at you as if, you know, do you want? And yeah, she just kind of shakes her head. Shrugs her shoulders, opens it up and puts it into her coffee. And it brings you and brings over yours and sits down um, across from you. Bad morning or normal morning? The kind of hungover morning that's only cured by more hangover. Hair of the dog. Hair of the dog. And she grins at you. How did, What does she look like? I imagine that she's, because she's a little older, she's late 30s, I believe. And so yeah, longer hair, very, very thin. A little, little taller than average, but not something that like would be incredibly noticeable when you first meet her. I think uh, like strawberry blonde, blue eyes. You can kind of tell when you meet her that she drinks often. Yeah, so she has like a bit of the sagging facial features, a little bit of that uh, red nose. Yeah. Yeah, just a little puppy. Yeah, so she cocks her head at you and her hair is, it, lo- it looks like the word, like a terrible case of bad head. So what, you have an extra interesting client today? To what do I owe the pleasure of your company? Boredom. You produced a good visit from a clown. She gives a very long sigh, leans back, takes a long swigger of her coffee, says, at least I'm prettier. Of course you're prettier. Yeah, maybe you came down from your little, like, Beverly Hills apartment. You might see that. You're just jealous. I can afford a better place than you. Nods her head. Well, okay, yeah, a little bit. So I had somebody very interested in come through earlier today. Was it uh, someone who came in and was like, I must speak to my dead daughter? Or was it one of those that kind of treats you more like the ther- like a therapist? So they come in and tell you all the things you really don't want to know about them? Oh, it was every Tuesday. This was an old friend of my fiancé. Maybe ex-fiancé now. Damn. All right, all right, continue. I guess he's been acting strange, a little erratic. So I uh, I gave her a little bit, a little bit of advice. Well, I'm going to go ahead, go off on the limb here and say that he's erratic because he's a man, and let's just face the facts, that's like, that's par for the course. And as a result, you said, the fates have destined you not to be. A little classier than that, but yes. There's nothing classy about your act, babe. Oh, At least every time somebody comes in my shop, they don't start choking on, on vodka meals. Look, that's how you vet out whether or not they've got a good iron stomach or not. If you don't got an iron stomach, I don't want to do business with you. I'm sorry that I actually weed out my clientele. Well, no, those are the ones that pay the best. She laughs, so they, like, the full, like, throws head back, takes sip, crosses her legs, and, and says, uh, 
Yeah, so we never really talked about what happened with that, like, little Christmas party you dragged me to. What do you need to talk about? Didn't your, like, mom try to, like, plow? What Nana does with the men she's interested in is no business of mine. I never want it to be any business of mine. I'm gonna make a roll. She looks at you, and there is nothing but a smile in her eyes, and you can physically see her tucking that away for later. For sure, for sure, for sure. Okay. Now I need to roll fan. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and then what, there was, like, like, you knew some of the people there, and I don't remember why I was there, to be honest, but I also just don't remember uh, Finch also wanted to make fun of you, but you were too tipsy to get it, so like... Well, he can make fun of me as much as he wants, at least I'm not ten years from death's door. You sure about that? No. Alright, that's fair. It was a nice night overall. You got free drinks, free food. What do you have to complain about? Oh yeah, I actually really loved seeing that one, that one girl or whatever, that woman who was trying out like caviar for the first time and she was just being super loud about it running around that's the type of manic energy i wish i had a fraction of that do you realize how unproductive i'd be as a human being if i had a fraction of that energy i don't think you'd be any different i'd have a much better place you just go out later in the night no more 10 p.m bedtime well my mom always did say that i that i was prone to hubris so, I lost track of you in the night. Where did you end up running off to? Uh, look, those, like, military types, they went out, and they were, like, singing, so I was excited, because they were excited. I think I followed them for a little bit, then I think I lost track of them. And I kind of sobered up, a, like, probably, like, two, three hours later, and I think I made it back, and I was back in town. I, I was trying to follow them, but, like, I, it was dark. So, you spent... Christmas drunk in the woods near a stranger's house. No, it was like farmland. You could see your mound. I don't think that's better. No, don't worry. I keep a tight ship. And she is just, she's trying really hard not to laugh when she says that. Oh, that's tight to keep your legs shut? Jesus Christ, Delilah. Did I do something and just not know it? Oh, no, I just, I can't read this one. You're dating Elizabeth, aren't you? Yeah. Old hag. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you, you you say these, and she looks like, like, she feels like she hasn't gained a victory. You can tell that from, like, the light playing in her eyes. And I'm going to move a little bit back towards you, Oksana. Uh-huh. Why do you always go, ho, ho? It's not like fucking Mickey Mouse over there. It's the King of Hearts Bragerot. Hey, Oksana, it's your turn. Oh, boy! Oh boy, the horrors are on me! <laughs> the eldritch horrors I've seen have made my mind turn inside out! My soul is corrupt! <laughs> so, when you come to the to Castaigne's apartment, it's a rather notable building because, in many ways. Uh, in one, it's clearly of an older model made with with very, like, decayed brickwork. But you can tell that once upon a time, it was a high-quality structure. Even though there's 
you know, very little seepage of what they used to keep the brick together. It looks still relatively really clean, but it is starting to like decay in parts. It's a large horizontally flat building with a few levels. And it's kind of interesting to see a building that is this, this wide, I guess, mm-hmm. especially in, in New York. And you see that the bottom is called Hauberk's Armory. And you can smell heat and metal, and uh, you get a bit of that iron taste at the back of your tongue. Uh-huh. And Ramsey turns to you and uh, says, very he's, he always sounds a little nervous, but very nervously, since he heard there was a fire. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, so we're, we're here. Um, I would, oh gosh, I, I do really hope I'm not wasting your time. If they're, if they're all... Oh, if they're all burned up, I don't know what, I'm, what we're going to do. I already put in the registry, like, what books would be there. Oh. Yes, that would, uh, that would be unfortunate. So what do you think happened to you with that fire? And he um, looks at you and he looks away a little bit and goes, I, I, um, you, you know, Hildred was, he was a, a, a troubled man. And, you know, maybe he had friends that were troubled. And considering your previous role... You know that's a lie. That doesn't sound like he keeps very good company. So what is it you know that happened to you? He looks back up to you. I, I, excuse me? Well, I asked what you think happened here, and now I'm asking what you know happened. I, I don't like what you're insinuating. And I, 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 of course, I do not know anything. Of course. And I am not Miss Ushakov. Wait, you're not? No. Oh, I see this. Okay, this is the, the th- this is me getting the third degree, huh? Look, I'm not saying that you did something terribly insidious here. I just think you know more than you know. Look, okay, um, all, uh, all I can really tell you is that Lewis spent a lot of time here when we were cataloging some of the things. He spent a lot of time going, going through uh, the different, the different items, and there was a lot of things that were like just garbage, like old relics. That didn't, that didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And every now and again, you find something really valuable. So it was really painstaking, probably, you know, cataloging process. It was, it was terrible. And he spent a lot, quite a lot of time here um, without, without me uh, doing that. It just seemed like he was getting more and more agitated every time I saw him. And I don't, like, I, I know Lewis. He's a great guy. I, I don't think he did this, but, like, I don't know. I, it's kind of harder to get, get an eye on the way he's been behaving lately. Mm-hmm. He was always like such a, you know, he was prompt, he could get a hold of him so easily, and he was always just put together, clean, tidy, everything at its place type of guy. And then he just slowly stops responding, he leaves things a mess, the cataloging, like, is getting on, is just not getting done, or things are labeled wrong, and things that I just never would have seen him doing. That is quite strange. Do you know if he was... Anything else happened to this man during this time? I I know just about as much as the as the as some of the papers said. Uh, I, his his cousin, I guess, um, tried to tried tried to kill him uh, and had like a, had a gun on him. He, I guess, tried to get somebody to off his wife off uh, his fiance, but that guy just offed himself. And then this guy he claimed was helping him got killed or eaten by his cat. Both. I neither. I, that one. That one. I. 
I don't know. That one I read, it made me queasy. I stopped reading it. Oh, that, yes, that does sound rather quite disgusting. But that also sounds like quite a lot for him to go through. I do imagine that might change a man. It, it's a lot, but like, immediately after, this was this was a, a little bit ago, but he seemed, I don't know, he, he seemed upset, but not like horribly affected. Do you know what I mean? Like, he and Hilda mm. grew up together. So he was upset about it, but was he was, he, but he was nowhere near that. He wasn't unstable or anything about it. That didn't happen till later. Just out of the blue? No, it was, it was slow. It, it, it happened slowly. It's like the more time you spend here, the more like his cousin, he kind of started to behave. Um, I think in that, like, that sounded like, looks back at the building. Well, maybe there's answers inside. Arxana tightening her blouse, buttoning her blouse a little bit and... Oh, fuck, here we go again. <laughs> God damn it. Strange places, strange people. Oh, that one that it shows up. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, you get the entire party showing up. And that's how you know you're really fucked. Yeah. So when you enter this front door, you find that you actually do have to pass by a little workstation that... Uh, the smithy uses mm-hmm. to, in order to go upstairs. And when you look at your left over a counter, you see a older man with kind of, with a very like illustriously black, you know, the kind that's like, looks like there's sweat in it, it's rich, it's, it's uh, shiny. Mm-hmm. He's uh, on the other side putting something together and he looks at you, he's, he, he's one of those guys that just looks naturally pretty kind. But, Underneath his eyes, you can see where the bags of, are starting to form. I mean, you've been sleep-deprived enough, and you've been to college. You've seen enough other people sleep-deprived oh, yes. to kind of know what that looks like. He gives you um, a small wave, and he comes up and uh, from what he's doing and says, Oh, uh, Mr. Ramsey, so you need to see the flat again? And, and Ramsey says, oh, I, I, yes, uh, this time I brought somebody to uh, help. Oh, um, Oksana would just, like, you know, offer her hand, like, uh, Oksana Ushoko. Uh, he goes to offer you his hand. It's gloved and covered in, uh, like, suit. Mm-hmm. So then he uh, looks down, he's like, oh, okay, uh, pulls it off, offers you his hand again, realizes it's horribly sweaty, and uh, and then says, I'm so sorry, ma'am, but I do not think you want to shake my hand. I just shakes it anymore. <laughs> Your hand is very wet now. Yep. And he shakes. She's like, hand. I offered it. Uh, it's gotta commit. And he gives you a, and he gives you, you know, a very confident smile and it was a, a kind of that uh, appreciative gesture, and then says, "You must be really regretting that now, huh?" Not as much as you think, but it, it was very wet. I will not lie. Yeah, I've got an extra towel around here. It's alright. I offered my hand first. I thought I couldn't back out. You know. <laughs> A doubling down type of gal. I, okay, I love that. I appreciate that. Yeah, so you start to make your... Like Ramsey leads you up. You see that this flat... Um, there's another... The staircase also goes up again to the last level upstairs. Uh, it seems like these are all kind of... These are all apartments, basically, but, like, really long flats. Mm-hmm. Which you suspect that this building was probably used for other things back when it was first built and has since been... Yeah, have been reappropriated into being an apartment complex slash a place, apparently a place of business. You gotta love cities. So 
When you come to the front door of Costain's apartment, you don't really notice anything off, but you do get hit with the strong, acrid smell of smoke. Ramsey puts his key into the door and unlocks it. The first thing you're going to see after he steps forward and through is you see a tall woman with blonde hair that you've seen before. You see Elizabeth, oh, I apologize, red hair. Okay. You see her in the middle of the room and there's a trash can at her feet. Her hands are in her waistcoat pockets and she just is giving it a bit of a frustrated kick and then looks down from where she kicks it up to you and says, well, it's about time. Elizabeth. Miss Ushikova. She does a small flourish of her hand. Thank you for the recommendation. Well, it seems like you needed the work. And I'm nothing if not a provider. Mm. A fortunate rate. Oh, you have no idea. And Ramsey's looking between the two of you, and he's not picking up that vibe. He's oh, like, no. he's like, oh great, you guys really are friends, all right? Awful. But now that you have the chance to look around the room, yeah, it's a, you know, a series of long rooms that are connected and there isn't any doors. Across from you when you come in is where the fire is, a little bit to the left is where the fireplace is, and there's scorch marks that are spread out above it. And to the right, a series of bookshelves that are perfectly untouched. Further to your right is where the kitchen, where a small kitchen and dining area is, when King kind of kitty corner to that looks to be a bedroom. Further to the left side, and to your left side, you see a series of about two rooms, you think, that one seemed to be used as a study, and the furthest one looks like it houses some musical instruments. And Carlton uh, looks to you and says, well, I mean, now I think you can tell why this is, that cataloging this was such an arduous task. And I mean, there are, yeah, there are bookshelves from floor to ceiling, the whole stretch. Yes, I can understand this being a very arduous task. Elizabeth grins a bit and says, well, clearly one that you're up to, though. Yes, I'd be delighted. She heads over to a table towards the untouched books and sits in a chair, crosses her legs, and says, Carlton, my friend, could you give us a minute? And he says, oh, uh, sure, of course, I get I'll just be outside. Oh, uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say, yes. And he heads outside. She pulls out a small a pack of cigarettes from the inside of her waistcoat, bumps it against the edge of the table to get one of the cigarettes to just pop out. <laughs> and she doesn't take it with her fingers, but just puts her mouth down to it and takes it out and lights a match. She gestures towards the chair across from her. Oksana walks over and sits on it. Elizabeth says, do you have any idea how easy it was to tell that guy that I read that... I was a very good friend of Hildred's, and he would have wanted me to help. He's a really trusting fellow. Yes, an unfortunate trait. Yeah, isn't it just? 
she looks around and says, so the 20%, you're on board with that? Um, I think that, like, kind of, like, pauses, considering, like, looks at the shelves, pulls out her own cigarette, and lights it. It's a very long drag. Well, it is for you, so no less than 30. 20, and I'll throw a little bit on top. She pulls something from her waistcoat, and she throws a $10 bill onto the top of the table. And today's value, that's about $150 worth. Are you hitting some hard times? I'm so sorry. I think I see why Delilah likes you so much. She throws another 10 on. I think Cancel Austin takes that. Just slowly reaches out. Perhaps not that hard. Thank God, I thought you were going to be tougher to talk to than this. Why would you think so? I don't know, you just seem like a bitch. No, I assure you, that is all your woman. (laughs) (laughs) So, she, yeah, once again gazes around at the books, and yeah, now that you've been in here a little for a little bit longer, you can, you can tell there are random shelves almost that seem untouched by the fire. And then other ones that are, but right next to them. It's like a weird random pattern. Elizabeth uh, looks and says, Well, I think if you get started now, you might be done in in about two, three months' time. Yes. You don't happen to know what happened here, do you? Uh, Crazy fuck gets arrested, dies in an insane asylum, and then his cousin, who's also a crazy fuck, comes and torches the place? Rumor has it he has not always been crazy. Well, I mean, he's a man, they always are. And now that you've, like, also spent this uh, amount of time across from Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. you can get a closer look at her hands, and she has a series of small scars across her knuckles. Hmm. But... I think it's like that, like, it's like, oh, all men are just like, mm, perhaps, as long as they pay, who really cares how crazy they are? And at that, she stands up and straightens her jacket a little bit and says, well, I appreciate you being willing to take the job regardless. And also, thanks for coming cheap. And she goes to leave. Just lets her go. Does not want to be in your presence anymore. Wants the last word, but it's just, and she'll stay. <laughs> oh, that's worse. Uh, she steps out, and you see her turn to the right and go, and you hear, oh, so can I get it? You can go in now. Oh, th- th- thanks. You see Elizabeth just shake her head a little bit, and then she leaves. And Carlton comes out, comes in, and she, and he looks around, and he just sighs. Mm-hmm. And he ruffles his hair a little bit, and just, this is both, uh, this is both better and, and worse than I thought it would be. I was worried that the whole place would be burned, but it's like half of it, which, uh Yes, it is not ideal, but, um, puts out her cigarette, and is like, well, let's get to work, right? Oh, ah, Yes! And he takes off his jacket and starts folding up his sleeves. He's like, yes, let's get to work. <laughs> so, Thaddeus, you don't need a track roll or anything of the sort to follow Hedges. 
I want to know something real quick. Mm-hmm. As you follow in the back, you, you're following it, and then all of a sudden it breaks left into another neighbor's yard, like more kitty corner to you, and it keeps going through their property. And then you can see from here, further down, it breaks right. And you realize that, yeah, this, this thing goes pretty far. Now that you're actually looking, I maybe never really noticed before mm-hmm. just how much this winded through. The one thing, though, that really strikes you here is that this type of planning for head for a hedge makes no fucking sense. I mean, this is either the strangest series of hedges you've ever seen or the work of some half-insane topiary enthusiast. But something tells you it's neither of those. Are you doing anything as you follow? So, I've reached this point, and I'm seeing the hedge keep going on, keep twisting, keep turning. I'm seeing uh, this creature being so far ahead of me. And I just kind of stop for a moment, kind of realize what I'm doing, where I'm going, just kind of shake my head, and I'm slowly just going to go out, go back the way we came. I'm not going into this maze of, this maze of hedges, and I'm not following this thing where it's leading me. It's like, all right, it's got away, it's got me, and I'm not going to, like, play its games any longer. So I'm going to back away and go back to my house. Make me a hard power roll. Yeah. <laughs> My fault for asking it in the form of a question. So that is a 78 over 60, but can I push it? Absolutely. <laughs> Just watch me get 100. Well, it was a little better. Now it's a 74 over 60. Fantastic. I am going to get lost in a maze. The rational part of you says, time to turn around. It's time to turn around, walk back home, go back home, and you find yourself repeating that in your head. But there's this pulsating feeling. It's subtle at first, and it's coming out. It feels like it's beneath your feet. You realize as you're walking back home, that you are walking closer and closer to this hedge. And you realize that this pulsating feeling that's beating beneath your feet like a heartbeat, it's coming to your right from this hedge. And I want you to look at it. And I want you to roll with your nice little pulp talent. Let's go ahead and we'll spot hidden. That is a 66 uh, over 50. On both of them? Well, the other one was a 76. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's fantastic because <laughs> it just means that what I want to happen happens. Uh-oh. Thaddeus, you suddenly find it harder and harder and harder to walk back home. It's like gravity yanking you. It 
feels almost violent in a way. It's not, it's not like you're moving fast or rigid or anything of that sort. It's like need is drawing you. Like something as natural as breathing air is pulsating through you. You find yourself kneeling down. You need to be closer to that heartbeat, you think. You need to feel this more because you know that if you follow wherever it leads you, you might get some answers. And that's when your fingers are going to delicately brush aside a few leaves as they make their way towards the soil. And you're going to see these strange gnarled twigs inside of the leaves, inside of this hedge, holding what could only be described as human eyes, like wrapped around them, holding them almost as if you had your thumb and finger in a circular hold pattern, holding them. The eyes dart from your chest to your, to make eye contact with you. They're pale blue, Thaddeus. And that's when you're gonna roll me sand again. <laughs> that is a 51 under 59. So I'm just gonna take one point from you. Because as fast as they come, those gnarled twigs seem to snap back. Almost as if they were never there. And maybe they weren't. It was just a flash. Thaddeus feels himself getting drawn to this. He's felt this heartbeat. He's seen the eyes. And it's all, just all too close to what has happened to him at Mr. Norbert's. Nope. Corbett. <laughs> Mr. Norbert. Mr. Norbert's house. Uh, <laughs> it's the ultimate timeline where there were good things there. It's the last day of your life, Mr. Norbert. Okay. I didn't know that you had an issue with Shaggy, but... <laughs> I would never have an issue with Shaggy. I can't believe Shaggy was the villain in Mr. Corbett's house. <laughs> reverse Scooby-Doo. This pull, this feeling, this, even the eyes, all digging in the dirt, all draws too close to Mr. Corbett. And he's felt, he lost himself there. But this time he want, he's using everything, he's pulling himself back. This isn't... This may be real, but it's not as it seems. And he is in control of this. And no stupid hedge monster fucker. <laughs> Sorry. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that hedge monster fucker. Fuck him. Piece to, of shit. It's going to make me lose myself again. And it's almost like a violent retching away from this getting back on his feet and trying to, like, re-ground himself in the reality that he is in a yard, in somebody's backyard, with houses over there, a street, like, a block away, and he's trying to ground himself back into what is. Well, and I mean, additionally, Thaddeus, I think you have been, for quite a while now, and even more so recently, preparing yourself mentally for something like this mm -hmm. not not something like this specifically but knowing that 
the things that you feel the way the world should work, the things as you understand them, your sense of that has to be looser than what you thought it had to be before. And so I think it's totally fair that yeah, you're able to pull yourself back into yourself and you're able to yeah, head back home. And right before I like turned around and leave, I just kind of looked to the ground, nice try, you fuck. It's gonna have to be better than that. And I walk home. I limp home. Yeah, you fucking hedge. <laughs> you never know what's listening. I don't know how well their hearing is. And I just kind of get into the house. So last time we were here, Valerie, you were left with a feeling almost like being in a doll's house, right? Mm-hmm. There's something actually more morbid about it now that you've made it more livable again and it's almost like there's how did this house smell before it always smelled of baking bread and fresh cut flowers in the study there was usually like the smell of old books and candles very fragrant light smells and yeah you still get that that smell of book must you still get some of the currently fumes from candles and you've been pretty good about lighting them when you've visited because it just it helps the place feel more alive but that book smell it smells almost a little moldy now and it feels like coming back to a place that hasn't been inhabited in a hundred years even though that doesn't make sense it's and you know logically that's not the way it, mm-hmm. it really smells it's just the way it smells to you and as Thaddeus steps in and closes the door behind him he just kind of takes a breath takes in the moldy smell takes in the furniture that he rearranged that wasn't where he left it before in the before times and then he thinks back to the note that was stuck in his mailbox and he's gonna take a closer look around see if anything has been disturbed if there is more secrets more almost like intrusions into his space why don't you go ahead and make me another spot hidden for me that is a 27 under 50. so thaddeus you're going from room to room looking for any sign of things that have been moved out of place that yeah they're not where they should be there's something wrong about them you're especially keen to any little differences now that you i mean the fucking hedges outside are different right Mm -hmm. something every day taken for granted something you pass a million times day in and day out if that can be different then any small detail here could be different and at first you're yeah you're going around you're glossing over you're trying to make sure that everything everything's where it should be you're opening your the the pantry doors in your kitchen because it just feels like something's out of place like there should be if you have been visited here then something must be out of place and go ahead and i feel like it's less hectic less scared it's very more of a, like a calm controlled almost cold like all right They've already been, they've been outside, and now it's just a very cold, calculated, 
what else have they fucked with? Okay, so it's like more of a slow, cold, methodical logic. Yes, it's, it's it much is... less frantic. Okay, okay. So, yeah, so if he's opening these pantry doors, it's more the left to right, top to bottom. It's a structure. Yeah. It takes him a bit, but eventually he goes into his children's bedroom. And in the corner, laying out, because you just didn't have the heart to mess with it too much, is Quinn's little playhouse. But why are the people? They were on the floor before, but now they're set up inside of it. How were they set up? Where did the people get So, you take a closer look, Thaddeus. And on the ground floor of this three-story little dream-like mansion, you see the small girl figurine broken into bits and spread out, splayed across the small little model floor. And you look up towards the bedroom and you see the little figurine of the mother and she's just standing in the middle of the room, but something has scratched out the way the room looks. Like, just these shallow cuts into the plastic. And then you see the father, and somebody has been tied a small little string noose for him to hang from off of the chimney. There. looks at it for a second. This has been not an exact image, but he's seen things like this before. He remembers the conversation he had with his wife and the doll children and has promised to put the family back together. And he grabs the wife, he grabs the father from the noose, and he tucks them nice and gently in the master bedroom and he takes the pieces of the little girl and he kind of stops and thinks for a moment just kind of holds them gently in his palm before kind of just taking a breath giving them a little kind of kiss just and he puts the pieces in the little girl doll's bed and pulls the cover up covers up covering her completely when he goes around he stands up from the dollhouse, just kind of slowly walks away, and sits down in his living room. This is, it's very almost hollowed out, like, yes, you're gonna try to use this against me. I'm gonna fucking beat you, though. There is almost a cold anger, not directed at the scene, not directed at, like, him, but it's almost like that grief-fueled, I'm using this to bolster me. This isn't gonna break me. At least not here. <laughs> oh my god. Look. I got a little bit of chills you there. Can, you can only use my dead children against me so many times before it's motivation. <laughs> it's played out, hedge monster fucker. It's played out. 
you got to be more creative than that, but please don't, because that will fuck me over. <laughs> We're going to shift lens a little bit. So, William, you called for Richard to come help you. What, what kind of help is you're hoping for here, exactly? He doesn't know yet. He called Richard because he knows that he has seen things. He just wants somebody he knows he can describe the situation to to get a second opinion. So, yeah, you've come into the living room by now, and Constance, well, you, you, would, would you know his fiance? He probably would. I mean, he might have sent me a letter, but I wouldn't exactly know. I don't think we kept up on the best of terms after the war. I think it's fair, though, for you to assume who she is. Though. Yeah. You see her kneeled over Lewis as he is gasping for breath. He's clutching at his throat, but it looks like it, whatever happened just has passed. And he's starting to breathe a little bit more regularly. And she looks down at him and then up to you in this almost pleading stare. What's wrong with him? We were just talking, and he, something was in his throat. Tried to get it out, couldn't go up. She helps him to his like to his knees, and tries to guide him back to the couch. You just you hear him mutter, "It's coming. It's always been coming. It'll always be coming." And she's saying, "You know, just no." Just, just sit down. Just sit down. Take a breath. And lay back. Lay back, dear. I just let her kind of, you know, comfort him. Just try not to fight. So yeah, you kind of stand back. Let her kind of comfort him, not trying to impose as much. So, considering the time frame here, Richard's going to be taking quite a long time. You're here for about an hour waiting. What have you been doing in this time? In this time. Uh, if at all I could get a chance to talk with Constance, I might take the opportunity to, to like see if I can talk to her alone. But yeah, um, I understand that like she's probably more focused on taking care of Lewis right now. So over the course of about of this hour, yeah, for probably 30, 40 minutes, she's talking Lewis down, she's running her fingers through his hair, she's trying to make sure he's comfortable, his breathing goes back to normal. Eventually, he seems to fall asleep, but the way he falls asleep, it's, his eyes keep fluttering open, wide, not just a little bit. But he doesn't, he doesn't seem to wake up. The When you look to her in this kind of questioning gaze as to whether or not he's sleeping, she seems to nod yes, and she turns to face you. Um, and I would, like, extend my hand and quietly, and to not wake Lewis up, just go, and William, I served with Lewis back in Saudi Arabia, and he called me here to help him. She shakes your hand, and she looks a little sadly down to him, and then back to you, and says, I'm just not really sure how much help can be had anymore. Do you know what caused him to kind of start acting like this, by any chance? when I knew him, he was very calm. She looks a little hesitant, says, uh, um, 
all I know is he was going through his cousin's things, and he started to get all these strange ideas. He started saying all these strange things, none of which made sense. That's 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 a, that's it. He, like, what are some of the things he's been saying other than you know it's coming? That's what he told me. Oh, he said it. Oh, uh, he said something is coming. He always referred to it as him. Well, do you know what, like, has he told you what he thinks he might be, it might be? She opens her mouth, and don't words come out, but more, it's like she catches herself, and she says, I don't know how to describe it. The things he says he's, he saw, I don't, I just can't put it into, I don't know how to put it into words. That's fine. Put this, do you know if this could just be stress from, you know, what what he went through over there? No, this is this is recent. This is all very recent. He keeps talking about how we are we're paintings. We are shadows of these greater things. We are brush strokes and he would just keep going and talking like that. Did he ever bring anything back that he was reading? Or whatever, bring back anything. He only ever brought back one thing, and he he wouldn't let me see it. He said if he let me see see it, I just I'd end up like him. It's upstairs. I want to say this before he gets here. I called a friend. He we have worked together before. He might be able to help at least give us a second opinion on what might may or may not be happening. So. I just wanted to let you know before somebody just randomly shows up. So, the question, William, are you going to go upstairs and find that thing? Not right now. I'm going to hold off. I think just try to see if I can get any more information from uh, Constance and just maybe just offer her a shoulder that she can talk to about the problems that she was experiencing with Lewis. So she doesn't say much more than what you already know. She does, she does finally say, I, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. I've been doing this. How are you supposed to marry a man who barely knows his own name half the time? I think he doesn't really say anything to that. There might be nothing you can do. The best I think you can hope for right now is just see if you can get him help. And then there's a loud knock at the door. Can I see the door from where I am? Yeah. Can I see out? Like, is there like a window? Or... There's a window, but it's high up. So it's more like you're looking more towards the sky then. Okay. And I can guess it's probably roughly around time that Richard might show up. If anything, Richard's pretty late. Like, you know, get up and just like that. That must be you know, the guy I called. I'll go and. Just talk with him real quick, see if he might know anything, all right? Uh, oh, okay. So I'll go over and go to Diller and open it. But as I'm opening, I'm just, thank you, Richard, for showing up. And on the other side, you see a, a red-headed woman in a suit. Her leg looked like it was bouncing impatiently, and it stops. And she turns to you from, the, from looking off and says, let's try not to make that mistake again, shall we? He lets off a deep sigh. 
The one time I ask for him, he doesn't show up. Well, you can't be too hard on him. Some brat needed his help. And I step out of the door and shut behind us, so... Believe it or not, there are bigger things than you and I. Yeah, but I figured I'd give him a call and say that it's something of his pedigree, that he would show up at least to see what it is. Well, that's Richard for you. Pushes things down to others if he can afford to. Did he tell you at all? I mean, I didn't give him much, but... All he told me is that uh, a friend of his needed a house call. Okay, so I, a man I served with back, he's saying some crazy stuff. Yeah, there seems to be quite a lot of that going around. He told me that I should go burn his cousin's apartment down. She grins and goes, no fucking way. You know? He, she pokes her head a bit to the right to kind of to look at the living room window, but the blinds are pulled. Lewis, is that you? How do you already know about this? Oh, I don't know him personally. I just know a little bit about what you're talking about. Yeah, he said that we need to burn the apartment down because there's something there and that he is coming and that we burn down the apartment and then in his own words burn him that it should stop him not lewis from consuming the world <laughs> well, look man if he wants to go burn himself he's i'd say let the man go grab him up and watch him go but this is getting a little fucking annoying so by the sounds of it, you've been to his cousin's apartment. What of it? Was there anything there on the place other than his attempt to burn it? Other than the previous blazing inferno? Look, I don't know. I brought in somebody to do that type of work for me. Okay. Um, he's asking the impossible of me. I could not bring myself to do what the thing, do what he wants me to. And it's not right. He would never have asked me. To do something like this back years ago. Yeah, well, it's not hard, then don't do it. What exactly is it you want me to do here? For now, I don't know. I wanted Richard here because I don't know if he's ever told you anything of our previous stuff. I, pal, I don't know who the fuck you are. Fair. We've seen some weird things, and I just wanted a second opinion on that. Look, let me. Yeah, okay, you want choices, you want decisions to be made. I'll go ahead and give you an easy few. One, let the man burn out. Two, I find him a cozy little place to go sit for a while, undisturbed. Three, you let me go about my fucking day. Before you, could you at least give me the address to his cousin's apartment? Since he said that there was something there. Something like his wife said that the more time he spent there, weird things happen. I want to check it out myself just see if there's something there yeah sure she pulls out a small pad and a pencil and writes down something rips it off and hands it to you yeah this uh person i brought in is probably going to be there only warning seems a little fly a little stuck up i don't think she's ever had a good fuck in her life that's <laughs> Not my business, but okay. Well, you are very bashful, aren't you? Thank you for coming out here. Did you know that I've had sex before being married? Or is that 
is that too much for you? I just don't care. And <laughs> she grins and says, I, you know, but I also don't go to church on Sundays. Neither do I. Look at you, rebel without a cause. She laughs and starts and walks off. I think I'd just knock on the door uh, before I click to open again and just kind of peek my head in and just, hey, I'm going to be leaving. Is there anything you want or like anything I can do before I head out for you guys? And Constance looks up to you and she's stroking through Lewis's hair and says, I think I'm going to have to bring him to a doctor. In the state that he's in, it's probably a pretty good idea. And then probably head over to his cousin's apartment. Delilah, what have you been up to? Uh, spent the afternoon with Susan. And then it's Sunday, so it is Visit Nana Day. Yeah. So, so do you stop and pick up some groceries? Yeah, stop changing something more casual. Uh grab some clips to pull her hair back and then yeah she'll go pick up groceries and head over yeah so you go into this pretty low it's a low-income area yeah and you climb the steps of car these carpeted steps that are dirty and you'd think they just look they would look much better off if they had just been stripped and it was just left to be wood or anything else and you knock on her door, and after a few moments, you hear some shuffling towards it, and the door opens up. Who does Nana look like? Um, Nana is late 50s, uh, yeah, like elderly black woman, about, about Delilah's height, so about 5'4", shorter hair that is mostly gone gray by now. A little on the chubby side, but, like, the best way I can describe it is kind of grandma-shaped. So, you see Nana, and she gives you, like, the nicest smile, and she excitedly goes to take the bags from that you're carrying. She quickly, like, pulls it back and says, no! Come on, I'm still useful. Did you work earlier today? Well, that's just not fair. You know I did. Go sit down. Okay, but only because you're so bothersome if I don't. And she wanders her way over to her very cheap cloth couch and sits down. I'll make your day and night if it gets you to calm down. Oh, so if you're willing to do all this for me, would you mind making some tea? Yeah, I'll be on it. She lets herself into the kitchen and, uh, Starts up a pot of water and starts chopping vegetables. She kind of calls from kitchen goes, Have you been resting your legs well enough? I, I can't say I haven't been active, but I'll tell you I tried doing the stretches you showed me. At least it's something. I, when I try to reach my toes, I get about halfway. Well, I, I, your age is probably fine. I'm impressed by it. Maybe after a couple minutes. You could at least sound like you were in awe. Yes, Nana, that's a great job. And then she, uh, after a few minutes, I just imagine it's like black tea and then gets the water boiling and then brings it over. She takes it, blows on the tea a little bit, and then looks up to you with this mischievous glint and says, I don't think Mr. Finch had too many problems with my flexibility. 
Roll San. I didn't fucking will for that one. I can get it for me. I'm taking one point of sand because Oksana on the other side of the city, you feel a shudder ripple through you that you cannot explain. All you know is that not is all not all is right in the world. We got a 65 under 80. It's just Nana gets some. Oh, oh. And, yeah, she covers her ears and is like, nope, 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 and like quickly runs, run walks back into the kitchen. You hear her laugh in the background. And so Delilah just kind of like is mostly focused on uh, preparing dinner. So she bought chicken and some vegetables to roast up. Yeah, and Nana's in the background, and then she gets up and wanders over. And is looking over the ingredients, and how are you chopping those potatoes? I'm dicing them. How well are you dicing them? About an inch. Is it is it up to your standards? Mm. All right. And she wanders back to the couch. Have you considered retirement at all? She. You can hear kind of uh, this exasperated breath in, like a. And says, sweetheart, in what world could I retire in? You can help. You will do no such thing. And why not? Have you saved for your retirement yet? I'm not old enough to have to worry about that. Sweetheart, you're half my age, which means you get another half. And then you do have to worry about that quite a lot. Yeah, despite everything, I do make a good living off of what I do. You need to save while you're young. And you save while you're young so you don't have to worry about later. I wish I had done that. I know I have to save. I can keep saving. I know how much to save. Yeah? Yeah, you know how much to save? Yeah. What? You know what? I'm going to... have a five-minute You have a five-minute counting. Is that what you want me to roll? Yeah, why don't you roll a counting? I'm going to roll something for her. (laughs) Oh, oh. Um, I'm gonna do that. I will use six points. Uh, I will use six points of luck to uh, get it down to a five. You don't have to. Oh, I don't have to. Cool. Nana fumbled, baby. <laughs> oh no. You say that, and Nana goes, "You absolutely do. I really, I raised you well. Um, yeah. I'm very glad that you're looking at that you're looking for at your own self-interest here. Yeah. Where do you put all the money I send you? In the couch. Literally? Yeah, I'm sitting on it right now. She gets up a bit. She slaps the cushion, and you can see it should squish more, but it's actually bulging out of it. You could use that to retire with. But you have to save it. You have to save for retirement. You're there. Yeah, but that's also going to go towards, uh, you know, my boy going to college and all. And then whatever's left over, I can put towards his retirement. I'm still, I'm relatively young, and I'm relatively strong. I'll be good for another, like, ten years. No, no. Oh, for a second, she's really like, okay, but Finch is rich, and he does like her enough. Well, he doesn't have a problem with her flexibility. Oh, 
<laughs> For the briefest of moment, there's the flash of wrinkled skin on wrinkled skin, and you have to shove it out of your head as soon as it comes. But it lingers. And Nana's very excited when she tries some of the uh, broth of it. And she's like, you really do actually pay attention when I show you things. Of course I do. Your brother never could get anything I put in front of him. He always kind of tried to, like, find a way to make you do it all over again. Yeah, and if you yell in one ear, you hear it once and comes out the other. Weaponized incompetence. That's what it is. That's just how boys are. Yeah, Holland, yes, that is just how boys are. Have you heard from him recently? Oh, darling, he hasn't sent me anything since I first left. Has Violet sent you any letters? Yeah, she sent me pretty regularly. Violet sounds like her. Yeah, she sent me all these, like, weird things, too, though. Um, don't look so concerned. She sends me spoons from different places she visits. Spoons? Yeah, spoons. They make spoons differently elsewhere. Look, I, I've got I've got them in a special little drawer. And she gets up to like wobble over and show you. Yeah, she goes over with her. Oh, she's been uh, traveling around a lot, looking at the collection of spoons. Make me a, a spot hidden. Okay, one second. It is sixty-five over fifty-five. Would you like to spend luck or push that? I'll try to push it. Oh. So you're really gonna get in there? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean in closer. And like... Delilah, those are my, those are my special spoons. Stop messing around in there. Did you fail the push roll? Yeah, I did. This is a, this is a reoccurring issue. So mm -hmm. as your keeper, I will once again say, failed push rolls are bad. So you're, I think there's this thought you have that you haven't seen your sister in such a long time, and you kind of want to know. Where she's been, where she's going, where where she was more recently. And you pull out the spoons, and yeah, they're kind of grouped up in all these different countries she's been in. The UK, Africa, India, um, China, and when you pull them out, you're kind of mixing them together, and Nana goes, I had those organized in chronological order. And you realize that you've mixed them up. Is there any chance that I remember how they were? Absolutely not. Um, I'm so sorry. You I know? put those back. Go eat your go eat go eat. Put those down. I'm gonna lightly put them on the counter so I don't mess them up more. Unbelievable! I taught you better than this. Are you sure about that? She turns to you slowly. Uh, she is walking away. Delilah, you hear the rustling towards you, coming towards you. It's like, it's like a train. And Delilah, you're going to take one point of harm as she's full-blown swings her hand into your backside. 
and you gain a little bit of air time as it really goes up. Yelps. You do not speak to me like that. You know I can never keep my mouth shut. Yeah, it got you in so much trouble then, and it gets you into so much trouble now. You would not believe how much trouble it gets me. Is this something I should be worried about? No, I'm, I'm smart. I know how to handle myself. Well, you got a smart brain and a real dumb mouth. Only sometimes. You know, she laughs a bit. I think we can bring the scene to a close as you share a nice little meal with, with your nana. Yeah. And that's where we're going to end tonight. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>